amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. You're now listening to the Hot Take Podcast with Stephen Blake, your source for everything fantasy football. Here are your hosts, Stephen Taroni of Fantrax HQ and Blake Sullivan of Roto Baller. Welcome to the Hot Take Podcast. My name is Stephen Taroni, fantasy professor. With me, as always, Blake Sullivan. What's going on, Blake? Not much, Stephen. Uh, just enjoying my last day of summer before I head back to school tomorrow. Uh, Going to talk some fantasy football tonight. How about you, man? Pretty good, dude. That just reminds me of that song. Uh, was like, my sweet summer is gone. <laughs> that sucks. So that's kind of negative, man. I, uh, how was your summer, though? It was pretty good. A lot of work, but got a lot of new opportunities, especially uh, this podcast and over at Roto Baller. Been doing a lot of stuff there. Uh, make sure you check them out. Their chat feature is great. You get on there and talk with experts, casual fans, anybody there. Um, another big thing with them is their player news. So, Really encourage you guys to go check that out this fall, especially for your teams on Sunday. Uh, you don't know who's playing, who's out. That's the best place to find your news. So I've been really busy over there helping out on the news desk. And that's pretty much been my summer. How about you? Awesome, man. Yeah, this summer has been about pumping out content. Uh, we got the draft guide over at Fantrax HQ. Uh, some awesome names on there. Chris Meany, Matt Modica, Mike Florio. My man, Chris Allen, a bunch of names, Joe Pizapia doing his YouTube thing, uh, breaking down teams. My stuff is on fan tracks. I just released my tier based wide receiver rankings, which is relevant to tonight's episode because tonight on the hot take podcast, we are doing wide receiver rankings. Blake, I don't know if you heard, you know, we have a special guest tonight. Yeah, I heard it's a very special guest and you know, we don't slouch when we go out and select guests, man. We only go for the best. It's very true. That's that's a uh, pattern that I've been noticing. We got Marcus Grant of the NFL Network on tonight, folks, and uh, we are excited about that. Before we get into that, you know, me and Blake were talking about a league that he's in, and uh, Blake, why don't you tell the folks about this DFS league? Yeah, it's a pretty cool league. It's 32, 32 teams, and it's season long, so for the first 14 weeks you take any player you want there's no budget it's not like the sites that you go on where you have to budget for a lineup you just take anybody you want so you could have Aaron Rodgers Ezekiel Elliott Le'Veon Bell Antonio Brown you know just stack your lineup it's really cool because you have to look at the matchups each week uh, if somebody gets injured it doesn't affect your season you can go get somebody else payouts really cool you get you get paid if you win each matchup and then the best records go on into a playoff situation where it's a do or die. If you lose your matchup, you're out, you know, just, just like a standard league is. And it's uh, really fun. If you have touchdowns over 50 yards, they count for double points. So guys like Tyreek Hill, Cole Beasley, people like that have a lot more value 
anybody that's fast uh, can get down the field. Those guys have a lot of value in the league, which makes it fun. Nice. You know, when you first told me about it, I was like, well, that's kind of silly. So every week, you know, it can be the same team going up against each other. Why wouldn't I just pick Aaron Rodgers every week? But then I'm thinking about it. I'm like, well, Aaron Rodgers could be in Minnesota and then Kirk Cousins is at home. Kirk Cousins could have 10 more points than Aaron Rodgers, right? So if you drafted Cousins, you would have that advantage where someone might just be like, oh, I'm drafting Aaron Rodgers every week. Yeah, for sure. I mean, a lot of people do draft the same, the same teams, and sometimes people will forget to change their lineup, and it right. doesn't really hurt them because they still have good players in there. But, yeah, obviously, a lot of times, you know, you might have Zeke going up against the Jags defense, and then you have Gurley going up against Packers or, you know, somebody that's not a great defense like that. Yeah, where Packers are trash. I, I know, and I'm a Packers fan. I hate saying it, but but it's true. Gurley would run all over the Packers. Uh, that is true. And so I mean, it's really fun. You get to you get to look into football a little bit more and keeps it more interesting. And then you don't have to worry about your guys being on bye weeks or anything like that, too. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah, that sounds like a really fun league. And I think the fun aspect sometimes gets lost in fantasy football. People really get anxious on Sundays. You know, it becomes more about money sometimes. Uh, I've seen being in the industry. And that sounds just like a, a genuinely fun league, dude. Yeah, I mean, it's for money, which makes it even more exciting. But oh, yeah. even if it wasn't for money, I would still be, I'd still be loving playing this league. For sure. Yeah. Uh, the, a league that I'm in, and I just want to kind of talk about a couple different, you know, rules or uh, stipulations that I really enjoy uh, when it comes to fantasy football. My main thing is having 0.01 points per yard. To me, you're being rewarded for each yard your player actually runs. The standard is, you know, one point per 10 yards. I can't stand that. I mean, how many times does your player get 99 yards and you don't get that extra point, right? Yeah, I mean, my, my leagues are all set up the same way. I can't stand that either because that might be the difference in the championship game. You know, I've, I've actually tied in a matchup before. And if it weren't for that, you know, I probably would have lost. And that could cost you the playoffs or winning the playoffs. Uh, and a lot of these guys are playing in $100, $200 buy-ins where that's a really big deal. I personally don't play in that many big pay-in games, but you know DFS or anything like that—that's a big deal. The league that you know you just joined with me—I'm uh, not sure if you knew, but it's uh, 0.25 per completion for quarterback and 0.25 for incompletion, so minus 0.25. So you're really rewarding uh, your accurate quarterbacks. So you got Jameis Winston—you know—he goes out there and he's 20 for 40. That could actually hurt you. Yeah, I think that's kind of fun. Uh, you got to look a little bit deeper into quarterbacks. There's guys like Matthew Stafford, who is a QB2, could be pushing into being a QB1 just because he's accurate. Yeah, uh, You know, it's pr pretty interesting to really think about that and look further down the line and see how far up these guys would move up the draft board with that rule. One rule that we use in our league is uh, I didn't like it at first, but there's no negative points for interceptions thrown. And I was like, well, that's stupid. You know, you guys, Cam Newton or somebody goes out there, you're not going to want to pick him because he throws interceptions. So why would you Why would you reward that? Then you look at, like I had Aaron Rodgers one time last year and throws a ball, hits Randall Cobb, goes off his hands. Right. Interception. Well, it's like, that's not his fault. That's Randall Cobb's fault. Sure. So 
So when you look at that, that could cost you your championship too. And it's not even your quarterback. It's somebody that's not even on your team. So speaking of leagues, really want you to go over the Fisher House uh, Foundation League. I know we talk about it uh, every week here, but what is the latest with the Fisher House League? Yeah, for sure. This thing's really, really exceeded expectations. Uh, we're at seven leagues now, almost full seven leagues. Like to get eight full leagues. Of course, if I could get like 10 or another nice even number, that'd be great. But I'd be happy if I got eight leagues. Really great cause. I guess to help a lot of veterans and their families. Uh, Fisher House Foundation, that is. We just made t-shirts as well. For anybody that wants t-shirts, uh, feel free to hit me up on Twitter. Uh, it's really, really cool t-shirts. The back, back say uh, support military families, and it's got the logo of the Fisher House Foundation in it has the number of teams, how much money we raised, all the sponsors are on the back. So if anybody wants to be a sponsor, feel free to do that too. We're looking for a lot of giveaways. We already have a couple giveaways, including VIP passes to Big Guy Sports. I was donated by Bob Lung. Got a championship ring for the winner, donated by Fantasy Champs. And we're also getting a jersey giveaway. Uh, that sponsor hasn't been uh, – totally decided yet but if nobody donates a jersey the fantasy sports gaming network which i created will be donating a jersey to somebody in the league so there's definitely worth your worth your buy-in it's only a 20 dollars buy-in and all that money goes to the charity so uh it doesn't hurt to join at all that's awesome man yeah and uh, the fisher house foundation it, um they provide housing for veterans is that correct yeah, that's right. So in veterans, uh, whether they're going somewhere, whether it be doctor's appointments or meetings or anything like that, or they're traveling, uh, or if they need assistance, or especially their families, because a lot of times uh, wives and children will be coming along and there's three or four people, you know, that are on the road. And if you had to get a hotel room, you're looking at 100 to $200 a night a lot of times. And if you're going to be in a town for a week, you're looking at five or $600 that could run up real quick on somebody. So uh, it's definitely a big help that everything that they do. So really glad to be supporting them, uh, getting their promotion as well. Awesome, man. Fantastic. Yeah. And it's a really fun league. Uh, I just drafted with uh, some guys in, in my league and honestly, what could be better than uh, donating to a good cause and uh, playing some fancy football. Blake, uh, we had some games this past weekend. Real quick, who stood out to you and why? Well, that Cleveland game was big for me. Uh, the guys I looked at, Baker Mayfield and David Njoku. Njoku only had two receptions, which sounds bad, but he had two touchdowns. Love it. And Baker Mayfield had two touchdowns throwing for 212 yards. He was 11 for 20, so really liking those guys. I mean, we literally had just talked about David Njoku on the tight end show, and then he goes out and scores two touchdowns that night. Yeah, I think our show actually dropped after, though, so we needed to clarify that we called that before we the did, game. We did call that. I, I actually think that we predicted that. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, for sure. Yeah, right. So uh, who stood out for me? Marshawn Lynch. That 60-yard run, I don't know. I'm sold on that. I haven't seen him run that fast since he was with Seattle before he got injured. Um, that was incredible. It was a huge hole. Didn't even count because it got called back for a hold. Marshawn Lynch, man. I mean, he's being drafted at the end of the sixth round. That's probably going to go up a little bit. 
if he does a little bit more in the preseason. Another guy who stood out to me was rookie James Washington. This is the real deal, folks. The guy is starting on the Steelers. He's going to be on the outside opposite of A.B., and he's that deep ball threat. He's going to give you those games where he has a long touchdown, just like Martavis Bryant did. So if you like that boom or bust kind of value and you want to play the risk, yeah, James Washington's your guy. I'm looking forward to this weekend and seeing a couple things. I want to see what the Redskins are going to do with their running back situation. No Darius Geis. And that brings us into our news and notes. News and notes. Darius Geis, torn ACL, done for the season. He had a great run, and you could tell as soon as he landed, it was just awkward. He didn't seem in too much pain, but I think that he knew right away. And man, that guy has nothing but positive vibes on and off the field. So get well soon, Darius Geis. But for fantasy relevance, we got to talk about who is going to really stand out on this uh, Redskins backfield. Blake, how do you see this kind of shaking out? Yeah, first off, prayers to him, man. That's that's awful. I was really looking forward to what he would do this year. Obviously, you got to move forward, next guy up. And for me, that's going to be Samaj P. Ryan. I think he's going to be the one and two uh, down back. I think Chris Thompson is going to continue in his role. He was going to get those third down looks regardless of who was in there. Sure. And I think that they're basically just going to keep him in that same role. Don't change things up too much. Just see if Samaj P. Ryan can come in and fill in that role. And if he can't, I think Chris Thompson can take on a few extra carries on second down or first down, whatever it may be. Yeah, hopefully Chris Thompson can be healthy enough where he can take some a little bit more of a workload. I don't think they want to give him that. And I, I, it would probably be smarter if they didn't. They, you know, they want to utilize Thompson's touches um, and get him involved in space. I'm not excited about Kelly, Rob Kelly, or Samaj P. Ryan. And I know that's not a hot take or anything. I'm just not excited about those guys. So what I'm looking forward to really is I want to see if they're going to use Capri Bibbs in this preseason. Capri Bibbs, he kind of flashed last year in the last couple games of the season. Due to necessity, he just ended up starting, I think, one game for the Redskins. And he catches the ball and he runs up the middle pretty well. When he's gotten an opportunity, he's done good things. So if they are going to use him in a couple of these preseason games, I'll kind of get excited about uh, Capri Bibbs. Yeah, he uh, in week one of the preseason, he had four rushes for 48 yards. So, I mean, definitely something to be on the lookout for. Samaj P. Ryan only averaged 4.4 yards uh, per carry, where Bibbs got 12. So, definitely something to keep an eye out for. I don't think Rob Kelly is going to see hardly any time at all, to be honest. Yeah. But but I think with, with Bibbs there, I just don't see it. I mean, if Geis would have been there, I think he would have been obsolete, but I don't know. Maybe maybe they have more faith in him than I do, but that's just where I'm at. You know what they're calling Fat Rob now, right? What's that? Fit Rob. Fit Rob? Fit Rob. He slimmed up a little bit. We'll see how slim he is. Moving on, Rashad Penny. Bad news again, man, for a rookie running back. Uh, out three to four weeks, broken finger, just had surgery on it. In come Chris Carson. How do you feel about Chris Carson, man? I don't know. I, I've always liked Chris Carson. I've just never... I've never been proven anything. You know, he just hasn't shown me enough to want to go out and buy him. I think part of that's Pete Carroll and the Seahawks in general. Um, They just don't use their running backs the way I'd like ever since Marshawn Lynch left. Well, even when Marshawn Lynch was there, they didn't use the running back. That's why they didn't win a Super Bowl ring. There you go. But that's on another, another topic there. I still really like Rashad Penny, but 
obviously you're not going to get to draft him near where he was. And I think that might actually help you. If you have a deep team already, you could go out and get Rashad Penny two or three rounds later and hope that he can take that job back from Chris Carson. If you're drafting now, go get Rashad Penny because his ADT is dropping close to the seventh round. Can you believe that? I mean, he was a third round pick a couple months ago. And then, you know, the Chris Carson hype came around and then now this broken finger. And so he's plummeted. So yeah, there's a window right now. And if you want Penny, uh, I, I would recommend getting him right now. I still want Penny if I can get him. I, I would rather have Penny than Carson. I mean, the thing for me is that nobody's going to have their bye week in the first three or four weeks of the season anyway. So just throw him on your bench. Yes. Let him sit there. The odds of you losing another running back are pretty slim in the first three or four weeks. So I'd just throw him on your bench and hope that he comes back and gets the starting role. And if not, you've got somebody on your team that you can drop to pick up streamers for the rest of the year. Like, I just don't see it as that big of a gamble. For sure. Yeah. And it's a broken finger. Um, it, it, it seems like a surgery that people can recover from pretty quickly. And uh, the reports were that he could actually play this week if it was like an important game. So that, that's actually pretty solid news right there. Um, so Devontae Parker, wide receiver of the Miami Dolphins, same sort of thing. Broken finger, out a few weeks. How, I'm not sure how you feel about Devontae Parker right now. I don't think he, he's kind of in most people's doghouse. But does this make you raise Kenny Stills in your, in your rankings? Yeah, see, I was honestly a lot higher on Devontae Parker than most people going into the year. But something like this is a big deal. You look at with Rashad Penny, broken finger, not that big of a deal. Like, how much is he going to use it unless he's heavily receiving, like a Le'Veon Bell or David Johnson? But – Devontae Parker, that's his job, catching balls. So if your hand's not capable of catching footballs, even if you come back and, you know, after you're supposed to come back and you just don't have it that much, you know? Yeah. You know, if your hands aren't soft enough, you're not going to be catching balls. You got you to gotta factor in that a lot of those targets are going to go towards Kenny Stills. If they think that they can trust Stills more than Parker with an injured hand, you got to factor that into your draft or to your lineups if you've already drafted Parker. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you got to have them soft hands, you know. Uh, you can have those stiff old – and, you know, honestly, Parker's hands aren't that great to begin with. So this injury is kind of scary when you when you think about that because uh, he's not known for, you know, having, you know, very reliable hands. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Right. I'm not very excited about any Dolphins receiver right now, but I will be checking out Kenny Stills this, this week. Um, if he can build up a nice rapport with Tannehill while Parker is out, 
that could be good. But then you might be getting a better value on Parker uh, by the time you draft too. So again, this is another in- injury where you can look at and be like, okay, there's actually some good news here as far as potential value. So we got Alfred Morris signed with the 49ers this week. Is that fantasy relevant news, Blake? I mean, it definitely could be if Jarek McKinnon gets a little bit more injured. Uh, already has the one injury, but I don't think it's a huge deal. The MRI came back negative. But that's something to think about. If he's already banged up a little bit now, it makes injuries come along a lot faster at the beginning of the season. Could give Morris a window to get some carries, get some time in there. Uh, but I don't know that he's somebody I'm going to go out and draft. Definitely not. He, to me right now, is the handcuff to McKinnon. If McKinnon goes down, he seems like he would be the next guy to get that like first and second down work. He, he automatically is the, the handcuff to me. Um, obviously, the history there with Kyle Shanahan. And, you know, he might get like a handful of touches a game. So, you know, he, he could have, you know, he could flash here and there, but really shouldn't be on your radar in the 12-team league. So big news today, Des Bryant is visiting the Browns. It finally happens. Uh, we talked on this show using like a hypothetical uh, scenario. I didn't think it was going to happen. And sure enough, weeks later, here we are. So Des Bryant's there visiting. Blake, you said that uh, he's seeking that one-year deal. You think he's going to get it in Cleveland? Yeah, he said he was looking for that one-year prove it deal with all the stuff that's kind of gone down the last couple of weeks with Antonio Callaway. Uh, yeah. traded The trade to the Bills there with Corey Coleman. You got to look at what they have with the Browns. They still don't know what Josh Gordon's going to be. So right now, their only two solid guys are David Njoku and Jarvis Landry. And we've been talking about this team having one of the best offenses in the league after just having god-awful seasons for like the last, I don't even know how many years, longer than I've been alive, honestly. But (laughs) honestly, but, (laughs) you know, you look at bringing in Dez, I just think they have to do it. You know, he's going to be able to come fairly cheap because there's not a huge market for him this late in the game. They have all the leverage. I think they can get him very cheap on a one-year prove-it deal, which is apparently what he wants. I don't think he wants to be with the Browns long-term. You know, if he can go out there and prove it this year on whatever they'll pay him, then he opens up that window for a much bigger paycheck for a longer deal next year. So I think both sides are going to really want to take this deal no matter, no matter what the cost. I think the Browns are going to try to get Dez really cheap, and I think he'll bite. Yeah. And what, what do you think is really cheap? Or what would be a, a cheap contract that they would throw at him that he would bite on? Man, I, I don't – what was he making in Dallas, do you know? I think it was like 16. Yeah, I think I it would have been – I think they would have been uh, – they would have had to – I think it was 12, but they would have had to pay 16 based on like the contract. Yeah, I don't see anywhere near that. I would think under six would be, would be cheap. I mean – I could see five was probably what I would see it as, but I think I think they would pay up to like six or six point five. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm thinking along the terms of like seven or eight because I I don't know if he would uh, I don't think he would even entertain something less than six. Right. Uh, but in the end, we have to understand that Des Bryant has won this situation where all this speculation and everyone calling him washed. All he's been doing is sitting back and waiting patiently, ridiculously patiently. And now he has this opportunity. And 
again, we know that the Browns were 0-16 last year. But on paper, this team is decent on offense, okay? I don't know how many games they can win this year. I would be hard-pressed to say they can win more than seven or eight. But you have a passionate player like Jarvis Landry. We saw the hard knock speech. And we know the passion of Des Bryant. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think a lot of people would look at that and be like, oh, man, it will never work. The personalities will clash. Man, those guys are going to go out and want to win. And if they can mesh well with Tyrod or maybe eventually Baker Mayfield, it could be a beautiful thing, and especially for fantasy football. We were talking off the air. If they sign Des Bryant, that is the best trio of wide receivers in the league, and I don't even think it's close. Des Bryant, let's see what happens here, but uh, I'm excited if he signs with the Browns. Yeah, you talk about the four guys you brought up, Baker, Tyrod, Des, and Landry, and then you throw in Josh Gordon. That's five guys that have all been slept on numerous times in their life that all just want to go out there and prove themselves. One or two of those guys are going to go out and be absolute studs because of that. For sure, and that's something you got to look at when you, uh, when you play fantasy football are guys with chips on their shoulders uh, and still have something to prove with a lot in the tank. Des Bryant's got that. I'm pumped to watch the Browns, but you know what I'm else I'm pumped for? What's that? Marcus Grant is on the show, and it's time, baby. It's time. Let's get into the rankings debate. Rankings debate, baby. All right. Let's dive into our wide receiver rankings. First off, I got to introduce our special guest for the evening. We got Marcus Grant over at the NFL Network. He is the fantasy editor over there. You can catch him on NFL Fantasy Live. Marcus, what's going on? Not much, guys. Uh, I appreciate the invite. Glad to be here. Hope all is well where you are. Yes, sir. Yeah, we know uh, you're on the West Coast. Um, but I got to open up with this, man. I saw that Barack Obama is following you on Twitter, dude. Yeah, you know, because you know, every now and then Barack needs to figure out what, who sleepers are. You know, he's got to hit me up and, and figure out who the deep sleepers are, who he's, he's getting. I have no idea. No, actually, that's not true at all. Um, <laughs> I think, it's, I think it's one of those things where, you know, a lot of celebrities and a lot of famous people, uh, they have a strategy of following as many people as they can because then they can get follows back. Um, you know, it's sort of the same thing when I, I found out that, like, uh, I think Melissa Joan Hart, like, followed me. I'm like, oh, my goodness, Sabrina the Teenage Witch follows me. And then I looked and she follows, like, 500,000 people. And then I felt a lot less special after that. Wait a minute. So are you saying that you were more excited about Melissa Joan Hart than Barack Obama? <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because like, it, well, she followed me first and then I got the follow from you know, the, the president. So I, uh, I didn't I didn't know about that for a long time. And then I was excited about that. And then I realized that I think he follows like a couple million people. And it was sort of like, uh, it just kind of takes the air out. of you. It takes the wind out of your sails when you realize that they follow like literally <laughs> half the people on Twitter. That's hilarious. Yeah, I think uh, Obama has something like 100 million Twitter followers. So um, pretty ridiculous. I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, I wrote an article, um, I believe in February, and it was basically covering the Los Angeles Rams and their new stadium. So the new stadium uh, set to open up next year, I believe, unless there's any setback, was originally a $2.4 billion project, which is just absurd. But then they got the extension to make it a $5 billion contract, Marcus. So you're out in LA. Do you see any of this right now? And what do you think of this whole process um, with football coming back to L.A. for the Rams and the Chargers? 
Yeah, I mean, you, you can see the progress. Um, you know, it's, it's right there in Inglewood. It's where the Hollywood Park horse race track used to be. Uh, it's right next to the Forum, which is still standing right now. Uh, and, you know, it, it's interesting. Like, there are times when you're flying into or out of Los Angeles, and you will fly right over the construction site and kind of see the progress of it. I, I, I think there's, there's definitely excitement for it. You know, when the Rams came back, there was definitely a sense of excitement for that. Uh, I am... I hate to say this, but I am old enough to remember when they left. I was a freshman in college at USC oh, wow. when the Rams and Raiders left Los Angeles, you know, 20 plus years ago. Uh, you know, and so there was, there was never quite the, the rabid excitement for the NFL coming back. But when the Rams announced, you could sense that people were kind of fired up about it. And certainly with the Rams being good, that has increased that excitement. Now, I, I will also say that when the Chargers announced that they were coming to Los Angeles, they were sort of greeted with a shrug and a huh, whatever. Sure. Um, but I think I think if they continue to play well and they get better, that excitement will grow for them as well. I'm very curious to see what happens within the city of Inglewood because you know it was always it definitely had its own community. Uh, it was always a Laker town, obviously, with the Forum being right there. But it was always kind of a smaller, sort of sleepier suburb of Los Angeles. Now with the stadium being there and all the development that's coming along with it, it is getting gentrified like so many other neighborhoods, uh, not just in LA, but in big cities across the country. And so the, the face of Inglewood is changing. Obviously the, the home prices and the property values are going up, but it's also kind of forced a lot of longtime residents out of the city. So the demographic is changing and you know, that, that sort of makes me sad. I think there's no two ways around it, but uh, in terms of the, for what, what it means for the league and what it means uh, for both the Rams and the Chargers, I think is, is potentially very exciting. And I think long-term for the city, there, there's, there's positives to it. I mean, we know the Super Bowl is coming. Uh, we know the Olympics are coming. You know, uh, you know, I'm sure they will probably make a run at trying to get some World Cup games uh, when that tournament comes yeah. to the United States in a couple of years. So there are some, certainly some positives to it. But you know, for, for people, and I'm not, I'm not originally from Los Angeles, but having lived in this city for uh, you know, close to 20 years now, um, it is a little bit sad to see Inglewood changing, but you just hope that at some point it, it does mean a net positive for Los Angeles. Yeah, I think at some point it will, but you have a really good point because as of right now, uh, it's kind of like there's a lot of bad with it, but there's also a lot of good. It's kind of like a catch-22. The bad for sure is that people are getting pushed out of their homes because they simply can't afford it, and that's going to be a real problem especially I mean you think of the congested streets of uh, Inglewood you know on the weeks uh, of game days I mean it's going to be ridiculous and not it's not only a stadium with that is coming hotels uh, restaurants and things like that and actually correct me if I'm wrong the NFL Network is actually setting up camp like right in the in the property of the stadium right they uh, they are building studio space there I think I think it's going to be the stadium will be open and I think it'll be a year or so after that before the network moves over there. But yeah, it, it has been announced that we will be moving to Inglewood as well. Pretty cool. And, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like, and I think that's going to open up a lot of jobs for people just, you know, with NFL Network. And it's also going to open up, you know, talk about restaurants and hotels. Um, it, it's going to offer a lot of jobs. And even right now with the construction that's taking place, uh, a lot of people are getting work in that area. So overall, you know, I think you're right. It can potentially be just a net positive. Um, now let's bring it to football. I really think that the Rams are gearing up to play in that Super Bowl in 2021. I mean, they're spending so much money on high caliber players uh, just this year. So I think they're gearing up 
specifically to bring back football in LA, but not only do that, but do it with a bang. What are your guys' thoughts on that? Uh, I agree. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, I think they're gearing up for it this year. I mean, they're ready. They've got the pieces. Uh, Bringing in Brandon Cooks, giving him a huge contract. Obviously, Todd Gurley's still there. Uh, They're just – they're ready this year with that defense. Going to be the best defense in the league, in my opinion. Uh, Look at some of the injuries Chargers have had, and and Jacksonville are the other two competitors for that. But the Rams are just absolute studs on defense, and – you know, they've got guys under contract for a while where they could be good for the next three years. And they're kind of growing their own dynasty in L.A. as we speak. Much like the Dodgers and the Lakers have done in the past, the Rams could be that new team in L.A., which is really cool that they moved out there and can just kind of take over the stage. Well, and I think, I think they've been smart about some of the ways they've done this, too. Because, you know, they've brought in a lot of big-name guys, getting a guy like Ndamukong Sue to come in. They've, they've signed a lot of these guys on sort of short-term deals, one- and two-year deals where if for whatever reason it doesn't work out, they can move on without a whole lot of financial pain. It's not going to hurt the salary cap a ton. They still have a lot of money backloaded you know, down the road where they can, make, they can make some more free agent signings if they decide to, if they decide that things aren't working the way they like. The other part of it is the one thing that if you live in this town, you know LA supports a winner, and and, it, and it's not it's not because LA fans are fair weather. Um, I've always said it's because in cities like Los Angeles or Miami or places where the weather is good and there are a lot of entertainment options, you have to be good in order to draw fans. Because you know, living in, in LA, if your product's not good, there are a million other things I can do. You know, the oh, weather's yeah. great. You know, if if your team stinks. Uh, it could be October and the weather's nice enough that I can still go to the beach or I can go to Hollywood or I can go do a number of things. So the Rams have been smart enough to understand they've got to put a really entertaining product on the field if they want to keep getting butts in seats because the moment that they start to stink, people will figure out other things to do with their Sunday afternoon. So they, they figured out how to get competitive in a hurry. Sean McVay coming in and revamping this offense, bringing Wade Phillips and, and fixing that defense. The Rams – are one of the hottest tickets in town. And that's, and that's saying a lot in a city that, you know, that has the Dodgers, you know, that went to the World Series last year. And now in a city that has LeBron, exactly. So to be able to still be one of the top tickets in town uh, says a lot about what you've done with your franchise. Yeah, and it's only going to get better. I mean, right now they're at the Coliseum, which is ancient at this point. But, you know, and that's why, Blake, you know, if we're talking about, you know, a narrative and how Rams would ideally like things to go, you're right. They might be good enough this year, but I think they're gearing up for that that opening year uh, at Inglewood Stadium, City of Champions, and that that could be the year for the Rams. One thing about the defense, man, they got some hot heads on that defense. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is that going to work? We really have to see that. I mean, Dominican Sue, Marcus Peters, and Akib Tlaib, I can't think of three guys with attitude, right? I mean, these guys. I, I, think, well, I, think, I think that's where Wade Phillips comes in, though. I mean, you've got a veteran coach who's been around. I mean, a guy who not only has coached great defenses, but has been a head coach in the NFL as well. And just, just remember, I mean, he had Akib Tlaib. Uh, when he was in Denver for those years. I mean, he has been around guys who have attitudes and, and who can do their own thing. So I think you look at a guy like Wade Phillips, and part of his job is to sort of be, I won't say the enforcer, but he's the guy to kind of keep them in line and keep guys happy. Plus, the other part of it is, as long as they're winning, people don't complain. No one complains. No one acts up when teams are winning. As John, John Madden once said, 
winning is a great deodorant. It covers all sorts of bad smells in the locker room. So as long as this team keeps winning, I don't think you're going to have a lot of problems. <laughs> John Madden quote. I love that. <laughs> I'm, I don't know why my mind initially went to the tough ta- acting to acting commercial. <laughs> 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 like, and I don't know, that's not a deodorant or anything, but <laughs> all right. Hey, uh, moving on, let's get into the rankings debate. This is what you came for guys. We are debating the wide receivers today. We're leading it off with Stefan Diggs. Last season, Stefan Diggs was the wide receiver 19, wide receiver 19 in PPR, 64 catches, 849 yards, and eight touchdowns. Pretty high number in the touchdown department. I have him as my wide receiver 14. Marcus and Blake, wide receiver 12. Both of you agree on Stefan Diggs. Blake, start us off here. What's going on with Stefan Diggs this year, and why is he the wide receiver 12? You know, the big thing for me with Stefan Diggs is just the quarterback change. You know, all his career in Minnesota, he's had those, quote, safe quarterbacks that will take that check down throw, the slant routes, uh, look for the tight ends, the running backs coming out of the backfield. He's finally got a quarterback in Kirk Cousins that can sling the ball. He's going to be able to hit those go routes and have confidence in Cousins to get the ball to him. He's going to get a lot better separation than Adam Thielen or Kylo Rudolph. So I'm really confident in Diggs. You know, being able to get open and having Kirk Cousins throw those bombs, you're going to add in, you know, if he gets one of those catches in a game, you could be adding in an extra 20 or 30 yards a game. And I don't know that he'll increase that much over what he's been in the past, but can you imagine adding 30 yards a game to a guy that was already a 19? Yeah, I mean, I think a big part of it too is the emergence of Adam Thielen last year because suddenly now that's one more weapon that defenses have to pay attention to. I mean, Thielen obviously having a breakout year last year, now, all of a sudden, if you are a defensive coordinator, you got to figure out how to stop both of those receivers. Now, you know, that means that Diggs potentially working on the outside can get down the field. You mentioned Kirk Cousins. He likes to push it. He likes to be aggressive there. So that's a big plus. And let's not forget, I mean, Dalvin Cook was. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Leading the league and rushing through the first three weeks, unfortunately had that injury in week four, and we didn't see him the rest of the year. But if he's back and he's healthy, and I expect him to pick up right where he left off last year, that's another thing that you have to worry about. Because not only can he run the ball effectively, he'll catch the ball out of the backfield. So suddenly you've got this offense that is loaded with weapons that I think is ready for Bear this year. And, and I think, you know, Stephon Diggs, I, I have him, as you mentioned, I have him ranked at number 12. It wouldn't surprise me if we saw him creep into the top 10 before the year was out. Well, that's a good point, because when you look at 
you know, your tiers. And if we're looking at, you know, the, the tiers in like, you know, the wide receiver two range, and we look at these players, I mean, Diggs is probably the most likely to reach or maybe uh, push for that wide receiver five, right? I mean, he has that kind of upside. I don't think that that can be denied by anyone. Uh, week one last year, wide receiver one. Week three, wide receiver one. 173 yards, two touchdowns in that week. After that, he kind of dipped off, and I think that he was a little banged up um, here and there, which does happen with Diggs. Uh, that is the one knock I guess you could put on him. He, and he never reached uh, 100 yards after that. I agree with Blake. The The quarterback change is going to do everything for Diggs this year in terms of fantasy relevance. Um, he's never had a 1,000-yard season, and we saw Kirk Cousins provide 1,000-yard seasons for two wide receivers in one year. I think that that's going to happen this year with Thielen and Diggs. By the way, guys, all three of us have Diggs ahead of Thielen, and that's a hot take. I mean, I, I guess it is, but, I mean, let's think. But if you look at this, I mean, one, last year was the first year that Adam Thielen was fantasy relevant at all. Yes. Um, and part of it is that you know, his, his catch numbers were up, his yardage numbers obviously were up. Touchdowns, he didn't really score. Remember, he went a long time before he scored his first touchdown of the year. I believe it was in, uh, I think it was a London game where he scored his first touchdown of the season. And, you know, he had a lot of kind of boomer bust games. And I think we look at Adam Thielen as having a great year, which he did, but I think it was relative to sort of everything else he had done in his career. On the whole, he was kind of a mid to low wide receiver too. And I think that's sort of been baked in, at least for me, I've kind of baked that into his draft ranking. I think Stefan Diggs has a much higher ceiling. This is a guy, look at Diggs, uh, Matt Harmon, who does great work with reception perception, charted Stefan Diggs. And he was one of the most successful receivers Harmon charted in terms of his success rates against both man and zone coverage. So he's the guy who can get open, who can get separation, uh, and you throw in the, the rest of the offense. And I just, I just like Diggs. I think he just has a higher ceiling overall. Yeah, no, no doubt. His ceiling is, uh, is definitely there. Um, you can get him in the third round right now. I think it's great value um, because if he hits like we think that he can hit, oh, yeah, you got a top 10 wide receiver. I think uh, it's worth – the bang for the buck right there uh moving on we got jarvis landry jarvis landry was the wide receiver four last year in ppr guys 161 targets 112 catches 987 yards which was the first time he dipped under a thousand uh since his rookie year and then a career high nine touchdowns and that really helped obviously um we can't project that nine touchdowns this season but talk to me about Jarvis Landry, Marcus. You have him as your wide receiver 20. I can't figure out what to do with Jarvis Landry. I started calling – he's like Schrodinger's wide receiver. He either will or will not get a ton of targets this year, right? Yeah. And I haven't quite decided on which one. Like, you know, I still believe Josh Gordon is going to come back for week one and that he'll be fine in that offense. But there are so many guys to try to feed with – you know, if you figure Gordon's back and Landry's there and Njoku – uh, is expected to, to have a bigger season. You've got Duke Johnson who will catch the ball. Carlos Hyde can catch some passes. And this isn't even talking about what could happen if they bring in Des Bryant or if Antonio Callaway lives up to his billing uh, as the talented guy that he can be. There's just so many mouths to feed in this offense. I can still see a situation 
where Jarvis Landry gets you in the neighborhood of 100 catches. But, you know, it's, it's sort of that Julian Edelman where he can get you 100 catches for like 975 yards. You know, you may not get to 1,000 yards. And if he doesn't get you the nine touchdowns, then suddenly those fantasy numbers come down quite a bit. So I think the Browns will be better. They're, they will be a better offense this year than they were last year. I'm just not sold on Jarvis Landry somehow just being this fantasy monster all of a sudden in a new offense. Yeah, I kind of I kind of split in the middle of you guys here because I think Jarvis Landry does have a ton of skill. I think he's exactly what the Cleveland Browns need. I think he is the wide receiver one in that offense. Uh, but the one problem for me is that he's not in Miami anymore where he is head and shoulders above everybody else. There's a little bit more competition now with Josh Gordon. Uh, if they do bring in Des Bryant, that's also another thing to think about. You've got David and Joku there. Um, so 112 receptions last year. He had 110 in 2015. I just don't see him putting up that many receptions. I just don't think there's enough ball to go around in Cleveland. You know, he still is that main option. You look at, at just like Stephen Diggs, he's able to get open. Um, he's not as much into the go routes, but, you know, he hits all those slants and creates a lot of separation. Really think that he has a ton of talent, but I just can't put him any higher than my wide receiver 18 because of the guys that are above him that, you know, they're in better situations to, to make sure that they're receiving targets. Um, and while he might have more targets than some of those guys, they have better touchdown upside. So, you know, there's a lot of things to factor in, but the main thing is he's going to have two quarterbacks. We don't know if he's going to have Tyrod Taylor the whole year or if he's going to have to switch over in the middle of the season to Baker Mayfield. Uh, that could play a role in his production. So, I just can't quite put him up into the front of the wide receiver twos. You you guys make some really good points, um, and both of you have him as a back-end wide receiver too, which, hey, he's draftable, he's playable, get him on your team, and that's what you guys are saying, um, even though uh, we're saying that there is expected regression. I agree with that expected regression. There's no way uh, – there's no other way ab- around it. So 161 targets last year, guys. The way I see it, I'm, I'm taking off 30 targets. I'm taking off 30, which I think is a pretty generous number. I, yeah, that's, that's a lot of targets to lose. And, you know, I'm thinking about this now, and Tyrod Taylor, uh, I do expect him to play a full 16, which uh, might not be the popular opinion there, but he's not a gunslinger. We know that. And, you know, he oftentimes is a run first, especially if the pocket breaks down, he can uh, just take off. So I'll take off that 30 targets. If he's getting 130 targets, I still think he's in the 90 to 100 reception range. I'll put him over 1,000 yards because that's usually what he does. And the touchdowns will come down a bit. But if, even if they do, he regresses from that wide receiver four down to my wide receiver 12. I still think he's the number one target in the offense. I think he's going to get a lot of love from Tyrod underneath, man. Let's play a little no, game here. I see that happen, by the way. But Jarvis, Jarvis Landry, by the way, is, is my number one argument against PPR. Um, just watching, watching this dude catch two-yard passes and get extra points for it, just it, it, it drives me to distraction. Ed, that's, that's a relevant point. So do you prefer the .5 PPR? Uh, I actually would be better off with a quarter-point PPR. I just, okay. I just, you know, I feel like the way the rules are set up in the NFL, it, it is slanted toward quarterbacks and receivers. So I don't yeah. know that, that they, they should be overly rewarded for an act that has become increasingly – I won't say it's easy to complete a pass, but it's a lot easier now than it was, say, you know, 10 years ago. 
Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, do yourself a favor. If you haven't done this recently, guys, watch a game from 15 years ago and just notice the difference. And it's ridiculous. I mean, just the fact that you can bump a guy within five yards, mm-hmm. it, you take that away. Yeah. Just throw it to Jarvis on the screen. Oh yeah. There's, there's 1.8 points. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's, I, I hear you, Marcus, but let's play a little game right here. Um, so we're talking about like, you know, around the same ADP. Um, so who would you take uh, Tyreek Hill or Jarvis Landry? Ooh. Ooh. I think I would take, I would take Tyreek Hill simply because I think the, the ceiling is bigger for him. You know, he's a guy who's going to get down the field. He's going to get, he'll, he'll pick up a lot of air yards and he's got a huge armed quarterback with Patrick Mahomes throwing. So there's a lot of volatility there, but I think the upside's a lot greater. I'm in that same boat. Uh, when I made my rankings, I had uh, Tyree Kill just a few spots ahead of Jarvis Landry. Basically the same reasons. He's, uh, he's a burner, and like you said, with you get that five yards to start at the first place. <laughs> you give Tyree Kill five yards of separation, he's gone. You look at that play that he had uh, to end out the first half against Dallas last year. Oh, God. That like, was ridiculous. <laughs> how many guys did he run around? Like eight? I mean, it was basically everybody <laughs> except the linemen. It was ridiculous. I'll take, I'll take Tyree Kill. Uh, I think Pat Mahomes is going to have a big arm. Alex Smith kind of started to show that big arm last year. We'd never yeah. really seen that before. And Tyree Kill had a great season. So I'd really like to see with Pat Mahomes this year what he can do with Tyree Kill. I think I was watching the fantasy footballers and they said that Alex Smith last year, they used the phrase an elite deep ball passer. And I thought about it for a second. I was like, Oh my God, they're right. <laughs> <laughs> like, I didn't think I would ever agree. with that. <laughs> um, So uh, let's do a couple more real quick here, guys. Uh, Jarvis or Brandon cooks. And just real quick. Uh, I'll take Jarvis still. I'll take Jarvis, Jarvis over cooks. Brandon Cooks is another one I'm torn on. I think, I think I'm going to lean toward Jarvis Landry there. Okay, and yeah, both of those guys were deep ball guys, more safer pick with Jarvis. And then one more, Jarvis or Juju? Juju, yeah. all day. Wow. I have Juju four spots ahead of Jarvis, and I had Cooks three spots behind Landry. So. Where do you have Juju, Blake? Uh, see, where do I have 15? Oh, man, okay. Pretty bullish. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love Juju, man, especially with – I think Antonio Brown's going to see a little bit of regression. Oh. Um, I, I don't think it's going to be massive. Like, obviously, he's still my number one. But sure. any little bit that you're taking away from Antonio Brown or Le'Veon Bell, I don't know that they're going to use him quite as much either. You know, that's stuff that you're adding to Juju for his production. So I also yeah, think Juju, Juju gets helped by the fact that Martavis Bryant isn't there anymore too, so that opens up a few more targets for him. For sure. Most definitely, yeah. I don't see Big Ben uh, ultra-targeting, you know, James Washington. So, um, that's a good call there. Um, moving on, we got Mike Evans. Mike Evans last year took a little dip um, in production. Only played 15 games due to that suspension. Uh, thanks, Jameis Winston. Um, he finished as the wide receiver 18 in PPR. And really what we're looking for with Mike Evans when we draft him is touchdowns. Um, last season in 15 games, he th- finished with 136 targets. Um, so if we project him for that one more game, he's going getting over 140 targets. I have him as my wide receiver seven. Marcus, wide receiver 11. Blake, wide receiver eight. Blake, talk to me about Mike Evans this year and why he's a 
good draft pick in the back of the second round. I mean, I really like Mike Evans just based off of his talent. And he's still young. You know, he's had 1,000 yards or more receiving for the first four years of his career. And he's only going to be 25 this year. So, you know, that's really something to consider. He's just now coming into that prime age. If he gets more time with Jameis, obviously he's not going to be there to start the year. But if he can go in those first four games and just be that elite receiver that he's been and then get Jameis back on top of that and be able to put up touchdown numbers, he's going he's gonna to have a crazy year. Uh, 14.8 yards per reception for the career. Um, I think he's capable of still doing that. So even if he only gets seven or eight touchdowns, I still think uh, eight's his average over this four-year span. He had two years of 12 touchdowns. Right. If he could get – Eight touchdowns, I'm really comfortable with him at, as my wide receiver one. And if he could put up 10, you know, I'd really like to take him even earlier. Yeah, man, if we could get him back to double-digit touchdowns, that would be fantastic. Um, you know, the, the thing about Mike Evans that sort of frustrates me, and it's just, it's just not part of his game, is that he's not a yards-after-catch guy. You know, right. he, will, he will make the catch, and then he will probably be tackled right there. Um, so, you know, I, that, that's a little bit frustrating and the, you know, bacon, the fact that Jameis is not going to be there for the first four weeks. I just think, I don't think there'll be a huge drop off in the offense. Cause last year when Jameis was hurt, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick came in and yeah, they weren't quite as potent with Fitzpatrick there, but they didn't fall off a cliff offensively either. So, you know, I think the targets will still be there. I also wonder though, how much does Chris Godwin start to cut into this because he's become kind of the new hot name down there in Tampa. Do they figure out a way to get Deshaun Jackson more involved? Because that was a thing they couldn't do last year, really. So I think there's some there's some other things taken away from Mike Evans. If we can get him back to double-digit touchdowns or somewhere near there, then I think he moves up and he looks like the guy that everybody was hyped on his first few years. Yeah, I, totally. You know, Blake, you mentioned it, first four years in the league, over 1,000 yards. So he is a number one wide receiver. Um, he, he is a wide receiver one. And by all accounts. So anyone who doesn't think so, um, I just can't, I can't get behind that. Ryan Fitzpatrick, when he was in last year, he was like ultra targeting uh, Deshaun Jackson. It was very interesting. So I, I wonder if that's going to happen again. Like Marcus said, you know, Godwin is, is really putting, making a name for himself. I tend to side with the opinion that uh, Godwin's production or uh, presence on the field is actually going to help Evans. I mean, you know, in 2016, Evans saw constant double teams and he still put up something like 96 catches for 1,300 yards and 12 touchdowns. And now you're saying that, okay, all right, we got we to gotta cover Godwin. We got to worry about DJX. You got the tight ends. And once Jameis gets back, he's still targeting you know, his, his favorite receiver in Mike Evans. So I do like the upside of Evans this season. It's like he's had this pattern of, 12 touchdowns and then single digits, then 12 again, and then last year single digits. I, I'm looking at that pattern, and I'm just kind of like, okay, here it comes, you know. So I, don't, I, I know it's, uh, you know, a little foolish to bank on that, but I, I like Mike Evans. I think that I can get him as my wide receiver two this year, and I really prefer him as that. I, if I get a running back first in that second round, I'm probably not getting Mike Evans. Does, does that kind of make sense, Marcus? Do you kind of think that way when you're uh, constructing rosters? Yeah. Um, I, I think if, if I could have Mike Evans as a wide receiver too, I would be thrilled to death by it. Um, you know, and it's 
if I'm at the front end sort of the, the, of the snake where I have the last pick of round two and the first one of round three, why not maybe get a running back early? You know, you, you say, you know, if you're at one, you get a, a Gurley or a Bell and you come back at the end of two and maybe you double up. Maybe you get like, you're not going to get Stephon Diggs, Mike Evans as bang, bang. Love um, it. A Todd Gurley, Stephon Diggs, Mike Evans start to a draft. Man, I, I'd be feeling good about my life. I'm telling you, man, I don't remember a year where it's like that first round is just, it's like, man, these guys are all studs. It really is crazy. Um, you know, we talk about those first four uh, running backs and then even the back end, we got guys like Melvin Gordon and Leonard Fournette. I mean, Leonard Fournette, you know, no one's really talking about him as uh, a potential top five guy. He sure is a, t- oh, a t- top five guy. My, my, my new hot take is and maybe it's not that hot anymore but my new hot take is that Leonard Fournette will be your RB1 at the end of the year Woo, that is hot (laughs) you know the name of this show right (laughs) that's you know now we got to talk about receptions there right I mean he's he's probably not going to generate the amount of receptions to 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 account for that right no, he probably won't but this is still a pretty run heavy offense there in Jacksonville I mean you know they have spent a lot of time talking about their wide receivers throughout training camp, but there are none that really blow you away. And it's funny that every Jags beat reporter hypes a different Jags wide receiver, which sort of tells you everything yes. you need to know about that group. That maybe they're, maybe they are improved, but there's still no one clear cut guy. I don't know if it's Marquise Lee or Dante Moncrief or Keelan Cole or D.D. Westbrook, you know, or you know any of those guys. You're just not really sure. What you do know is that Leonard Fournette who is supposedly in the quote-unquote best shape of his life, uh, slimmed down about 10, 11 pounds, and he is going to get the rock. And this is going to be a guy that I think you can see him averaging about 25 touches per game, and he's going to just His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org slash savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, Mom and Dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org slash savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Hammer people in that offense. And plus... They went out and they spent money to upgrade their offensive line. They are really trying to showcase Leonard Fournette in this offense. I love that take. All right, moving on. We got Amari Cooper. Look, he's not very popular amongst the fantasy football community right now. Uh, He let a lot of people down. Three straight weeks of under two fantasy points early last season. Just was not good. Uh, I have Cooper as my wide receiver 15. I'm feeling good about him this season. Marcus, wide receiver 27. Blake, wide receiver 21. Marcus, you got to lead us off here. Why is Amari Cooper not a wide receiver two this season? Well, he's, he's kind of sort of underperformed for most of his career. I mean, last year obviously was, was an abysmal year. Uh, he had the one huge game, that Thursday night game against the Chiefs when he went berserk there, and that was kind of it for him. 
throw in the fact that last year he struggled against both man and zone coverage, just really wasn't getting a lot of separation. He struggled with drops throughout his entire career. And the other part of it is now he's in an offense, now that John Gruden is back, that we have no real idea what it's going to look like. You know, anybody who tells you they have an idea of what the Raiders offense is going to be is flat out lying to you because we just don't know. And so there's so much uncertainty baked into the fact that this is a guy who has not really ever lived up to his billing and that he works with a quarterback in Derek Carr who's not known for pushing the ball downfield. Derek Carr is not a big air yards guy. He's sort of a check down guy. All these things sort of conspired to push me off of, of Amari Cooper. In fact, I'm I'm just kind of out on the Raiders offense in general because I, I just I just don't trust them. That's that's plain and simple. I just don't trust what they can do this year. Yeah, I like I like your point about saying that you don't know what the offense is going to be like with Gruden in. Uh, I definitely don't know what it's going to be like either, but I would think that with Marshawn Lynch and Doug Martin both there, there's going to be a lot of run game, uh, especially like you said, since Carr doesn't like to push the ball downfield that much. Maybe they play the clock game, take it slow really use the run uh, run game to wind down the clock some and then capitalize with guys like Jordy Nelson and Jared Cook there that have pretty good hands. They've been around a while. Um, obviously, they brought in Martavis Bryant now. Don't think he's in for a huge year either. But I just don't see Amari Cooper being able to put up the stats that can have me very – that can make me have him very high. You know, averages six touchdowns a year. You know, that's fine. Uh, but he's not going to go out and put up twelve or 1,300 yards. If he hits 1,000, you're going to be really happy with that. But only a 50% catch rate last year on 96 targets, just not healthy enough for me to want to take him any higher than wide receiver 21. Yeah, you guys make great points. And I don't, I don't blame you, Marcus, for being completely out on Amari Cooper and the entire Raiders offense because you're right. We don't know. It would be nice – to see a full season with John Gruden and see what his tendencies are because yeah, we can, you know, speculate all we want based on what 20 years ago when he was last a coach. I mean, you know, things have changed and a lot of people want to say, Oh, he's bringing back, you know, the early two thousands, you know, style of football. No, <laughs> why would he do that? That, that would be ridiculous. And it, you can see that they're not going to do that because they did bring in Jordy. They did bring in Martavis Bryant. That means they want to stretch the field. But you're right, because Carr doesn't want to push the ball down the field. So it's almost like they don't have the quarterback they want for that. I, I am the most bullish of the group here at wide receiver 15, and that's because in his first two seasons, he had over 130 targets. And if you give me 130 targets, I'm probably going to put you in my wide receiver. Team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's all you got. Just do that. Just get 130 targets. He had 1,000 yards in his first two seasons five, six touchdowns last year actually was his career high in touchdowns. Um, he finished the season. Uh, he scored a touchdown in four of his last five games. So he kind of came on hot there at the end. I like Amari. I think that he is the best receiver in that offense and they're going to target him. They want to use him. So moving on, we got chiefs wide receivers. Uh, Marcus, you got Tyree kill as the wide receiver 13. So you're, you're bullish on Tyreek this year. I like that. What I don't like is you got Sammy Watkins as your wide receiver 44. Marcus, talk to us about that. Man, I know everybody keeps hyping on the potential of Sammy Watkins, but they do. It's, it's, at some point, 
Look, I, I spent a couple of years doing minor league baseball. One of the things they would always say about minor league minor leaguers is that, you know, when you are 22, you're a prospect. When you're 27, you're a suspect. And at this point, Sammy Watkins is getting closer to a suspect than prospect. You know, he has never really lived up to his full potential. You know, last year, if it wasn't for the touchdown numbers, he would have been absolutely awful with the Rams. The other yeah. part of it is, and this isn't necessarily Sammy's fault, but He's on his fifth offensive coordinator in five seasons in the NFL. And maybe it doesn't mean quite as much for wide receivers as it does for, say, quarterbacks, but that still is something. It's him having to learn a new playbook and a new offensive scheme and new terminology every single year. Um, I just, you know, maybe this is the year. Maybe this is the year he proves me wrong. But I just, I can't buy it, especially in an offense where you know Tyreek Hill's going to get targets and Travis Kelsey's going to get targets and Kareem Hunt is going to get plenty of opportunities. Demarcus Robinson has been playing well there in Kansas City during uh, the preseason and training camp. Um, so Sammy kind of, you know, he's got some competition for opportunities. And so far he hasn't shown me anything that, that makes me think he's going to suddenly just break out this year. Yeah, I mean, you look at uh, Tyreek Hill, we already covered him. I have him as my wide receiver, 11. Uh, so we're not too far apart there. I have Sammy Watkins a little higher than you do. You had him at 44. I have him at 30. I still just don't think that he's going to do anything spectacular. Uh, you made a great analogy there with the minor league baseball, and that's the truth. I mean, he's still young. He's only 25. But uh, if you look at the the first four years of his career, he had that one year where he put up almost 1,100 yards with nine touchdowns. But every other year – he has tight end numbers, you know, he's 60 receptions, 28 receptions, 39 receptions. A lot of tight ends are going to go out and get you more points than that. So why should I buy in on somebody that has so much hype around him every year when I can go out and get a tight end to do the same thing with one of my last, you know what I mean? A mid round tight end can put up those numbers. So I just don't buy into the hype with Sammy Watkins and it's just like, somebody's hoping for Johnny Manziel to come back and be Johnny football. I just don't see Sammy Watkins being <laughs> Sammy Watkins. Everybody wants either. Oh man. Did you just compare Sammy Watkins to Johnny? Manziel? <laughs> oh, dude. Yeah. I kind of feel bad for Sammy for doing that, but, but I mean, come on. Yeah. That's disrespectful. I, I, <laughs> um, Sammy's never thrown four interceptions in the first half of a Canadian league football game. So hey, that is true. <laughs> but you know what? Hey, God willing, I bet he could. um what i like about tyreek and you know you're the highest on the markets at wide receiver 13 he did finish as a wide receiver one last year uh so you're not you know out of your mind for saying that he's going to finish in in the upper uh wide receiver two range um what i like about tyreek is we view him as a boomer bust guy uh last season according to nfl next gen stats 55 of his 75 were receptions were within 10 yards. That's a crazy percentage within 10 yards. So that means he was a possession receiver last season. 55 of his 75 were within 10 yards, but he still managed to get that 15.8 yards per game, which was tied for 10th in the league last season. That means that run after the catch is what we like about Tyreek. And we also know that he's kind of that safety valve because he can run those intermediate routes very well underneath. And kind of like what we were talking about earlier, you know, you don't have that five-yard press anymore. So Tyreek can just run freely uh, underneath. 
Yeah, I mean, they found a lot of creative ways to get him the football, and he really is a yards after. I mean, you, know, you mentioned the, the play against Dallas last year at halftime, which is sort of an extreme and as how ridiculous it was, but it does speak a little bit to how much he's effective with the football in his hand. And, and as long as they can keep getting him the ball in space and he can keep making guys miss, uh, he's going to continue to rack up yards and he'll find his way into the end zone. Yeah, I got a stat here for you guys. Uh, you're talking about Tyreek Hill being boomer bust or – if you think he's more solid than that. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, probably regarded as one of the best catching uh, receivers in the league. I think you would all agree on that, that he can go up and get any ball. He's got great hands. His best season out of five years was 59.7% catch uh, completion rating. Oh, wow. And you look at Tyreek Hill over his first two years, he had 71.4 and 73.5% catch percentage. Well, that, that goes back to the quarterback, though, right? Well, He's yeah, had some awful yeah, quarterbacks. <laughs> that, is, that is true. You do have to consider that. But I'm just saying when you're comparing when comparing guys, 20% is a lot, especially yeah. when you're looking at one of your top three receivers in the league. Yeah, and if you're giving me a 70% catch rate, I mean, that's, that's fantastic. So, yeah, uh, Tyreek Hill, maybe I'm sleeping on him in that wide receiver uh, 18. I got to say, I do like Sammy, though, uh, just because – I just think that this offense is just going to be so fantasy friendly. Um, I understand that not everyone can be, you know, tight end one, wide receiver one. But I do think that uh, Tyreek is going to open up a lot for Watkins. And, you know, this is going to be the best offense he's ever been on. Um, well, let me, let me rephrase that because last year he was with the Rams. It's going to be the best offense in the best situation for him because last season he was in that X spot and he really was blanketed at just about every game. And Jared Goff really wasn't looking for him on that deep route. He was more like a decoy all year, which was kind of strange. Um, and then he ended up being a red zone threat. So I really didn't know what to make of Sammy Watkins last year. This year, I think he's gonna. It's gonna things are gonna open up for him a little bit. I have him as a back end wide receiver too. Keep trade. See ya. All right, let's get into keep trade. See ya. We're gonna do a few scenarios here. We can keep one guy, trade in the other. And then it's peace to the last guy. We got Jarvis Landry, Allen Robinson, Juju Smith-Schuster. Marcus, what you got? Uh, I am I'm keeping Juju. I am trading Jarvis uh, because I think his, his volume means that you can get something for him. And as much as it pains me, I'm going to say see you to Allen Robinson just because I don't, I don't know what we have in Mitch Trubisky yet. And that's going to impact a lot of what Allen Robinson's production is going to be. Yeah, you're really close to what I was going to say also there, Marcus. I uh, have a tweet from this scenario on Twitter, at FantasyDJack. He replied, keep Landry. People forgetting Todd Haley is there now, and he's going to use Landry on the outside, similar to how he used AB. Trade Juju. People overvalue the third option in the passing game on the Steelers too much. Not sure he's the third. Well, I guess with Le'Veon Bell, he kind of is the third option. Right. Uh, and then he also said, cut A-Rub. Are you confident in Trubisky? I'm not. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I mean, I, I do have to agree here that A-Rub is kind of the odd man out. Um, that is unfortunate because I am excited, but it does come down to the offense. You have to consider here, and I'm actually going to keep Juju. Um, as much as I love Jarvis, uh, I think I can get the most value for him especially after that hard knocks I think that Jarvis is kind of like a hot name right now Jarvis Landry so I think I can get the most value for him so I'll keep Juju Smith-Schuster and kind of have those big games for the Steelers 
the last scenario we got today, guys, is AJ Green, Mike Evans, and Devontae Adams. And I want to shout out Rebecca Jones at Bronco Becca. I wonder if she's a Broncos fan. Um, <laughs> she wants to keep Devontae Adams because he's going to rock this year. Double-digit touchdowns. And then she gives a little cool face emoji. Love that. Uh, she's trading AJ Green because he's the only option on a horrible offense. But for some reason, people love him? Question mark. <laughs> and then she's saying, see you later to Mike Evans. Two touchdown dependent and has a suspended QB. And honestly, that's a great point right there. Um, I'll lead this off here, though. I'm going to keep Mike Evans. I think that touchdown upside is tremendous. I think he's the clear number one target in Tampa, and he is the most talented at this point uh, of the three, in my opinion. I'm going to trade Devontae Adams, mainly because I think he has the most value, being the Packers' number one option. And then I'm cutting A.J. Green. I love A.J. Green, and it was really hard for me to just say that Mike Evans is more talented than him. But Andy Dalton is your quarterback, and I got to say see ya to A.J. Green. Man, I really hate this one, and I made it. So that's really really bad that I hate my own scenario. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and keep Devontae Adams. I think he has a ton of upside, especially with Aaron Rodgers coming out and saying that he wasn't thrilled with the wide receiver play so far this year. That means that Devontae Adams is still going to get plenty of targets Even with Jimmy Graham there, I think he still has a huge upside. And then I'm going to go ahead and trade Mike Evans because I think I can get the most trade value between him and A.J. Green based off of his name and his touchdown upside. And then I'm going to go ahead and cut A.J. Green, which I don't necessarily like doing. I think he's going to have a much better year. There's other options there with Joe Mixon, uh, John Ross back healthy, hopefully, if Tyler Eifert can stay healthy. They have a lot of options there. so. I don't know for sure that he's going to get the volume that I'd like him to have. I'm gonna. I'm actually gonna go with with uh, Becca. I I agree 100% with everything she said. So I'm gonna keep Devontae Adams because I just love him in that Packers offense. He's got the best quarterback in the game, slinging him the football. Uh, I'm going to trade AJ Green just because. I'm not sold on everybody else around him in that Bengals offense. Not sold on Eifert. Not sold yet on John Ross. And Joe Mixon, I think, will only do so much in terms of catching the football. And, unfortunately, I'm going to say goodbye to Mike Evans just because it would be nice for him to get to – I mean, literally, I I think his average yards after catch were less than his height. You know, like the dude's like 6'6 or whatever right there. And, like, I don't even think he averaged two yards – after the catch uh, per, per reception. Like, I feel like you should be able to just, you know, catch the ball and fall forward. That gets you two yards after the catch, and he didn't even do that. So that, that means I'm, I'm going to have to pass on him. Yeah, if he can start, like, leaping up and grabbing those 50-50 balls and then diving. And up, it's like, fall yards. forward. Right, you know? <laughs> just give us that, Mike Evans. Come on, man. It's never enough as fantasy owners. Never, ever. Really insatiable as fantasy owners, I believe. <laughs> Marcus, thanks so much for coming on, man. You can find Marcus's stuff on his Twitter account, at Marcus G, uh, NFL Fantasy Live. When can the people watch NFL Fantasy Live, Marcus? Uh, Well, right now we are on every day on NFL.com. We will be back daily, Monday through Friday, on NFL Network starting on September 3rd. So Monday, Labor Day, while everybody else is uh, having the day off and, and grilling, we'll be live on NFL Network doing our own uh, Experts League draft. So uh, find us there. And then, like I said, uh, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I'm more places than the law probably allows. 
One more keep trade cut scenario for you, Marcus. Keep trade cut. Spider-Man, Batman, Superman. Go. Uh, I am keeping, I'm keeping Spider-Man. I am going to, wow, this is tough. I am going to trade Superman because he's kind of a do everything. And I'm going to cut Batman because basically he's a, a rich dude who does CrossFit. <laughs> yeah he just kind of flaunts his money around his superpowers are like like magic johnson like it's just like i got i got all this money like, right yeah and like i said i love i've always loved spider-man because you know one peter parker to me had real people problems right like he was trying to work his way through school his boss was a jerk he was trying to get the girl next door to fall in love with him but like batman bruce wayne was a trust fund kid and clark kent was an alien he wasn't even one of us so like spider-man to me is always the best that's good stuff, man. Yeah, I love Spider-Man Homecoming. I can't wait till uh, Far From Home next year. Yeah, it should be great. Awesome. All right. On behalf of Blake Sullivan, my co-host, this has been The Hot Take Podcast. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Hot Take Podcast. Check out Fantrax HQ and Rotoballers for your fantasy sports news and analysis. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steven underscore Taroni and at Blake Sullivan FF. See ya! His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everything.